Well, hey everyone. Uh, welcome to the Parent Hub Live web webcast. Uh, if this is your first time joining us, uh, you're late to the party. Uh, this is actually our 12th episode and uh, we're enjoying them and so glad that you could join us. Uh, we're about six weeks into our at-home quarantine and uh, as you can see, I'm about three weeks behind on my scheduled haircut and uh, definitely need to get that done soon. Um, uh, today we're talking about handling extreme emotions and um, um, and as I think about the crisis and uh, there's a sort of a picture that comes to mind as I think of the crisis and think of how I'm handling it and, and that picture is uh, that of waves right and um, uh, I think back six weeks ago sort of that first wave uh, the first wave was sort of the initial shock of it all uh, but a little bit of hope to think, okay, this is going to last two weeks, right? Made some adjustments, uh, handled that okay. And then it was like the second wave came crashing over me. Uh, and, and that was the announcement that, hey, this is going to last now until the end of April. And, uh, and so a little less, uh, handled that a little less positively and, and in a healthy way. And then this third wave kind of came and, and that was the announcement. And we're sort of now living in this, the, the idea that now this is going to be till at least the end of of May, and so these sort of waves uh, of of emotion and okay, and sort of with each wave, a uh, little less emotional reserves. Uh, I don't think I've handled things uh, as well as we've gone on this uh, journey, and and so today I just wanted to talk about uh, how can we handle these sort of extreme emotions that we're inevitably feeling. I don't I don't know if I hopefully I'm not the only one that's experiencing some of these uh, feelings of anxiety. And, um, and so there is, there is one quote uh, that I seen that, uh, that really, uh, really sort of resonated with me. And, and that's this, it's easy to be anxious now. It's not always easy to talk about it. And, uh, and I think that's so true, right? Like we, we sort of have these feelings, have these emotions, but we feel hey, like everybody else is going through this. Right. I don't want to bother people with with kind of my feelings and my struggles because they're going through the same thing. I just need to sort of buck it up and, and just kind of deal with it. And uh, so I just want to welcome uh, Jamie Naomi Reimer, uh, Genevieve, uh, Jane Delner, of course, and, and Laura Humphreys uh, as our guests today, just to talk through this, how we can best handle these extreme sort of roller coaster emotions that we go through, these waves that kind of come over us uh, through this crisis time. How can we handle it? How can we kind of um, ride those waves as it were. And so, uh, again, that idea of it's, it's easy to be anxious right now, but it's not always easy to talk about it. Um, when we get overwhelmed, when we're dealing with crisis, multiple changes, the unknown things that we're dealing with now, um, what are some typical, what are some typical, um, unhealthy, unhealthy coping mechanisms that sometimes we latch onto? When I'm unhealthy and <clears throat> anxiety ridden and worried, I tend to become yelly mom. Mm -hmm. um, and so my kids, my actually my oldest will call me yelly mom. And that's obviously really upsetting. But um, that's something that I feel like I've, I've learned to navigate through that. But it's definitely something that it's much easier to yell and to storm off than it is to stay calm and 
when they're really under your skin because the four of us are living in this home together and we're spending time with the four of us. Um, just like this very quick reaction with no thought. Yeah, it's, uh, I can totally relate to that, Laura. It's easy to become short-tempered and uh, not put the other person's needs first, right? Just to kind of imagine where they're coming from as well and just responding on our own emotion. And um, I found myself to be uh, sadder than I usually am and things, um, uh, you know, like a bit more of, of an emotional response where I would be like, what, like where'd that come from, right? But yeah, just kind of not even sure what my feelings are and as I, as I go through and then trying to navigate the feelings of, of those that are living in the same house as you, right? I, I find that in, uh, in things kind of going out of control in a lot of ways, the, the natural tendency I have is to want to control things around me. And then inadvertently that shifts to trying to control people around me. And, uh, of course, with kids, that's always a challenge uh, and not necessarily the healthiest thing. Um, but then even, you know, even um, my, my own internal reactions, right? They just are sometimes I'm, I'm scattered or, or I'm not clear in what I'm doing. And there's just this sense of, of being adrift. A and so, yeah, this is unhealthy response to, to all this going on at times is just, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, you know, just kind of feeling like everything is, is vague and, and unclear and, uh, and then trying to, trying to control that doesn't, doesn't go too well usually. Yeah, I would say um, in our house, everybody has all the feels. If you were to like sum up our whole family. <laughs> um, and for me, I think, Part of the hard part is a identifying what am I feeling and am I feeling something um, and then b giving myself permission to actually feel the feeling because uh, I might not like it or I might be threatened by it or um, I might feel like this is not an appropriate time to be having this feeling um, or I don't have time for this right now just you can fill in the blanks. Um, but I think what has been really important to me in the last little while, especially when we're talking about handling extreme emotions, is that um, it's okay with God to have extreme emotions. And he made us with emotions. Um, and in fact, he communicates to us through emotion. And I think one of the things I've been mauling over for the last little while was that um, our emotions can actually sometimes be revealing to us something that God wants to do in us and also sometimes a place that he wants to heal or restore in us. But also sometimes I think that our emotions help us to partner with him um, in the places that we need to partner with him more efficiently in some ways. Um, so I wanna just start by saying, I know in our house we have extreme emotions, um, but instead of treating them as the enemy, we're trying to embrace them and be like, okay, we have these and it's okay to have them and take a deep breath. Overwhelm is my least favorite of all the emotions. If I had to list one, that's like top of the list. I'm like, oh, I hate this one. Um, but just to take a deep breath and say, okay, it's okay to have this feeling. Um, I know what to do with it now. I just 
chunk things into bite-sized bits. And um, whenever I feel that, sometimes um, one of the helpful tools that we use is like, it's kind of a psychological tool, but it's called uh, cognitive distortions. And it's just like eight ways that your brain thinks things out. And I just run sometimes the bigger feelings through that to see if any of them are out of place and not cooperating um, for me and for my family. So that helps, for instance, like catastrophizing, you know, instead of saying, oh, COVID-19 is really um, not fun and we're not enjoying it. If I go off the deep end and I'm like, COVID-19 means the world is ending and everything will fall apart. That's more catastrophizing thinking and I have to sort of step back and say okay is that true how am I actually going to process all of this and but anyways well and, so, and some and some of that is just really easy to do right like some of those some of those unhealthy mechanisms or coping strategies that we use uh are can it can in the moment seem just really natural right and it can seem almost real but yeah as you sort of process some of that, you begin to realize that, no, no, okay, I, I don't think actually what I initially felt, because sometimes I think our, our emotions lie to us in that sense, right? Where it kind of leads us down a path. And if we leave it, if we let it go that way, it'll kind of lead us to, a, to an unhealthy place. But I appreciate what you said that, again, like our emotions aren't the enemy, like we can embrace what we're feeling. I think for, for a lot of us, it's, it's sort of allowing us that moment to reflect on what are we feeling and, and what, what's causing this feeling uh, before sort of we initially react and respond. Um, so I think, I think that's sort of the key. Uh, Naomi, you're, you're about to say something there. Yeah, I was just going to add, um, just I appreciate what's been said so much. Um, I identify with all those things. I think for me, um, kind of what Jen was touching on too, is oftentimes a negative coping strategy that we might use would be this sort of avoidance or distracting. And in the moment, distraction can actually be really good, especially in a crisis. But if we use distraction as our crutch of coping, then all of a sudden we found ourselves in a place of actually maybe an unhealthy pattern that keeps us avoiding and doesn't actually allow us to identify what's actually going on inside and talking about those things. So that's all I was gonna add, so yeah. That's great. And so sometimes I know when there's, when there's chaos or when there's a crisis, um, again, we sort of mentioned the idea of sort of naming the emotion uh, and figuring out, okay, what am I actually feeling? Because again, these waves can kind of come at us so we could feel frustrated and angry and all these different emotions at the same time. Um, again, it, it's almost that feeling of, of numbness that we have. Like, I actually don't know how to name this or I don't know really what I'm feeling. I just feel numb, right? Or I just feel um, like I can't sort of move on or move forward from this. Um, how can we, is, are there any tools, how can we actually identify kind of what, what it is that we're feeling and kind of pinpoint it, name it? Uh, kind of coax it out of the closet, as it were, um, and, and see it and, and actually kind of name it rather than it just being this kind of numb feeling of, of yeah, I don't actually know what, what it is that I'm feeling. Um, and then again, maybe a follow-up to that, is there a tool uh, or an exercise that can help us kind of work through this feeling of numbness? After we sort of named it, uh, is there a tool that we can use to, to kind of help us process it and move on from it? 
I just want to start by saying I am the queen of having lots of feelings, but not knowing what in the world they are or what to do with them. So this has actually been a personal journey that I've been on for quite a long time. And one of the best little exercises for identifying feelings, well, there's two parts, but that I've ever been given was uh, one was by a counselor and they said, here's a big paper full of all the feelings that are like listed in the dictionary. <laughs> now, take that with you everywhere you go. And part B of the exercise is just stop yourself at random parts of the day. Look at your paper and see if you're feeling any of those emotions, you know, and just circle it. And I was like, okay. So I remember one time um, I had just pulled into a parking lot and I pulled out my paper and I was sure I had zero feelings. Like I could not identify a single emotion inside of me. <laughs> and I'm like looking down the list and the only thing I can come up with is hungry. And then I was like, oh, oh yeah, hungry is an emotion. <laughs> I'm feeling something, right? And that just really took me back because I thought, I thought all emotions had to be these like really big, heavy things like extreme happiness or, you know, tremendous sadness. But it was just like really simple things like I feel pinched or I feel hungry, you know? So that was helpful for me personally. Um, I love that exercise. I think that's amazing. Um, another thing to kind of take it further too, which is so fantastic. I love that you brought this up, Janice. This is so awesome. Um, is to once you circle the, the um, emotion, because oftentimes emotions communicate to us that something needs to be dealt with. And so they're kind of a, a trigger for us to say, oh, I need to actually pay attention to this. Um, it's when we don't pay attention that things start going wrong, right? So then to sit with that emotion for a while, um, let's say we're feeling overwhelmed. That's one for me too, Jen, that I feel like, oh my goodness, I'm so overwhelmed. This is a hard one. And to, to first name it and then talk about underneath maybe or list or think or whatever it is that helps you. What is making me feel this way? Why am I feeling overwhelmed? What is going on? And sometimes just naming those things in a very brief way helps you sort of process through some of those things and actually move forward a little bit in them. Um, maybe you start to move from your emotional brain to your logical brain and you're able to actually think, okay, now I can start working on this part of solving some of these things for myself. What's actually controllable? Um, what actually can I do right now? And what do I just need to let be and accept right now? So I love that you brought that up. That's so awesome. Because I think that's so important. And you, you, you said it there, Naomi and, and Jen, like that actual, that process of slowing down, naming that emotion and then saying, okay, what is causing this emotion kind of deactivates that emotional side of our brain that stops us actually from progressing and making changes and planning and, and doing what we need to do to kind of work through that and move past that. And, and some, some of those emotions kind of ignite in us that sort of flight or fight mentality, which actually kind of makes us dumb in a sense, right? Like it, it, it hinders us from actually making those kind of smart, logical, rational choices. And so you're exactly right, just sort of stopping um, and kind of naming that. Uh, and looking at that and dissecting it kind of triggers that part of the brain that we actually need to use to move from that. Now that's so, that's so helpful. Something that I um, tend is that I need to regroup and refocus. So um, when I'm feeling lots of feelings and lots of emotions, especially going through um, socially isolating myself, somebody who's an extreme extrovert, 
Um, I need to take myself right out of this situation and give myself permission to kind of regroup and rethink. I've spent um, time on the front porch all by myself and just giving yourself permission to take yourself out of that situation, do some deep breaths, um, you know, like counting three in, three out for five to 10 times and just kind of giving yourself the ability to um, start to process and think through logically and then bringing yourself back to the situation where now you've had that time and you've had a time out essentially just like we would give our kids um, to, to go back in and now you'll be acting much more calm and you've had the time to think, think through your answer, your process. Yeah, what um, uh, and you mentioned some some strategies there, some some kind of healthy, uh, engaging engagement strategies when we're sort of feeling that, whether it's those extreme emotions, whether it's numbness or uh, whatever it is we're feeling. What what are some other um, kind of healthy um, ways that we can activate uh, and engage some of these healthy responses? So you, you talked about sort of taking yourself out of the situation, you sort of a timeout. Um, what, are, what are some other great kind of healthy uh, options for people? Uh, it's almost like having a, a sort of a tool belt, right? Where you can say, oh, hey, this really works in this situation. This really works in this situation. Um, yeah, what do you share some of those that you found helpful? So I, I find one that is so obvious but really challenging to actually practice is to talk to someone about how you're feeling uh, so it's it's challenging because uh, I think first of all that's that's vulnerable because sometimes like Jen you were saying you're like I know I'm feeling something but I don't know what it is right it's just the sense of you know and, and I don't mean venting on someone right I don't mean just kind of like blasting away at someone but actually saying can you can you help me and the other yeah so so it's it's one part being vulnerable and then another part having people that will will do that with you You can't just you know call someone out of the blue that you don't have some sort of trust and familiarity and, and relationship with and uh but I, I that i find that really significant um in part because like we talk in our church about about discipleship, about, about vulnerability. This is what we practice in, in a lot of our ministries, right? Is the value of having a few people close to you that you can actually say, here's what's actually going on in my life. And sometimes being able to say, so what's going on in my life is I don't know what's going on. I just feel numb or I feel out of control or I feel overwhelmed. And I, I think having that can sometimes be a really great tool just to A, hear yourself talk because it may be the first time that you've actually heard your own voice on this you've just had your internal voice going and then b have one or two other people that are a sounding board that that can receive that that can hear you that can help validate what's there and also ask questions just to dig a little bit more because you and i both know especially when when the emotional stuff is going high our blind spots they they expand right and uh so i, I think that would be again just super obvious but hard to hard to practice uh without intentionality mm -hmm. And I, I love that you brought that up too, because I think about this idea of sometimes having these conversations with people, and I'm just thinking of myself here, but when I feel these emotions, I don't like them. And so my instant reaction is to want to run away from them and avoid them and distract myself from them. So what I've had to like learn and with people and on my own is to be okay with being uncomfortable. 
I need to accept the fact that dealing with this is going to mean I'm going to be uncomfortable for a little while. Maybe it means I'm going to talk to Jamie about it or a friend about it. And that's going to make me feel uncomfortable, but I kind of have to realize that this is actually helpful for me. And in order to move forward, I need to kind of accept that about, you know, how I'm feeling about it, that it's going to be uncomfortable. So, yeah. And I, and I think now, like just uh, not only how we're feeling, but I think what you're saying Naomi, as well is, is, is there's people in our life that are feeling that way, right? So actually just going first and approaching them and saying, you know, just kind of setting the table in the environment and asking them, hey, how are you feeling? Uh, you know, like you can, you can talk to me. I'm a safe person. And uh, kind of taking that first step, I think, uh, I think we can all do that. Um, but yeah, definitely speaking with people, whether that's your spouse or a close friend, uh, maybe someone in your home church, uh, someone in your, your CR, your landing study, in your youth group, um, having that trusted person that you can go to. And maybe you've been burned in that in the past. Maybe you have gone to someone and you shared how you're feeling and they've just told you to kind of, you know, lock it down or, hey, that's not, uh, you just need to find somebody else, right? You just need to find somebody who's going to, uh, who's going to listen uh, non-judgmentally and, and um, yeah, just sort of echo back what you're, what you're feeling, right? So, yeah. Any, any other good strategies? This is, this is these, are, these are great things. Any other strategies that you found helpful? Um, I would just add one that I'm practicing with the kids. So if you have littler people in your world that are trying to figure out their feelings, um, is the actual body connection to the feelings and giving them exercises to do with their physical bodies to help them uh, just to have healthy responses. So um, I know in schools, they practice a lot of like breathing techniques and stuff. Um, those are very helpful, but uh, one of them, and I... I, I forget these things. So it's really great when other people teach me um, <laughs> is that sometimes it's really good just to even slow down and, and just to feel all the parts of our bodies. So like, is my heart racing? Is my mind, is my head feeling tight? You know, is my face clenched, you know, um, or, or like, do I feel weakness in my hands and my legs? just to be more aware of, and then just like releasing and dealing with each physical part, like slowly one bit at a time. And I just find that's really helpful, especially with the kids. There's actually um, online resources for that, Jen, where you can print off, um, he's called Mad Max, and you can print off Mad Max, and he has a picture, um, and it's a, a boy or a girl, and he has um, like, flames coming out of his head and he has wiggly arms and all these things and you can actually have kids um, circle parts of their body that they are feeling that in so one is like there's a big knot in his stomach and so the kid can circle okay well that's probably anxiety then if you have a big knot in your stomach because I know I have really little people at home so they have a hard time articulating you know my six-year-old will say, well, I have a stomach ache. And I'm like, well, you've eaten, you've been to the bathroom, you know, so what is it? And it'll be because, you know, we've asked her to do something or read, read, um, or do an exercise or whatever that she's, that she's uncomfortable with. And so um, using a tool that they can color or show you something really simple uh, is, is a really good resource for little kids. So talk, I'm sorry, go I'm ahead, Jane. I'm just going to add that um, if you have an outlet of your own, uh, some kind of hobby, or even just going outside in your garden or 
journaling, uh, painting, drawing, something like that, where you you can uh, just lay out all of your feelings in your in your words or in your paints or in your play-doh, whatever. Bring it out and pound it for a while or something. But or just go in your garden and dig a little bit and just um, find a way to just step away from it and just let it out in a healthy way. Because I think sometimes it's kind of like your time out, Laura. I I will just uh, put my earphone, my earbuds in and uh, put on some worship music and get a coffee and just, and just take a minute for myself, right? So I think sometimes it's healthy to just understand when you need some time for you in a way to um, safely and healthy, let it out, just to find that for yourself, what you need. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah, having those having those uh, sort of energy releases, right? Whether it's going for a walk or doing gardening, like you said, uh, doing some digging or in Andrew case, doing a lot of digging uh, around the house. Um, but it's really it's really been neat to see as you kind of scroll through people's uh, social media accounts. You do see people doing these kind of activities, you know, doing a puzzle. You know, people are are finding time and slowing down and doing some of these things that are, I think, are just very healthy and, and life giving to us. Uh, and so, yeah, those are those are great things to to keep in mind as we're going through crisis. Is just to slow the pace down. Um, uh, Laura, I love it. you brought up uh, you brought up kids, and I uh, just want to switch gears because uh, not only are we sort of facing this crisis and we're dealing with it as an adult. Um, and, and some of us, we can sort of process a little bit better what's going on and, you know, we can kind of follow the news a little bit. But for our kids at home, um, you know, they may be grieving, they may be struggling with the loss of routine and the loss of connecting with others. How do we kind of help them work through what they're feeling? How do we help them work through uh, this time? How do we maybe start the conversation with them? Um, again, maybe even with our, our older kids so they don't automatically shut us down. Um, love to hear your thoughts on that. Well, while you're all thinking, I will, <laughs> I'll give one thought um, just with, uh, just with, uh, with your older kids or your teens in your home. Um, I think uh, one way that you can encourage them to, to speak is encourage them to talk is just by being available to them, just being in the same space as them. Um, it, you know, we're all sort of self-isolating in our homes and typically our teens will self-isolate even more in their rooms. And again, if we can't guarantee that we can't guarantee that they will always talk to us, but we can guarantee that if we're never available to them, they will never talk to us. And so just being in their space, being around them, taking an interest in what they're doing, what they're watching, what they're playing, taking an interest in their schoolwork. Um, I, again, I think it just provides a great platform to, to kind of uh, move into some of those uh, feeling talks and how are you doing talks. Um, so that's one thing that I would suggest, just being available. And it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean just you're in the same house because you could be in the same house and not engaged uh, by actually just being available for them, taking the time, turning off the phone, closing the laptop and just being in their space. And uh, yeah, maybe it's just even asking them, hey, let's play a game or let's do this together. So yeah, any other thoughts and just how can we engage our kids in some of these conversations? 
uh, knowing that they're feeling some of the same things we are. Um, um, yeah. Um, I know for us or for me uh, with my girls, because I have young girls, um, Emery is only six, so she's still kind of in her mostly emotional brain, right? Um, she's still going to be reacting to how she feels. So uh, for me, I've, I've, I've learned that I need to validate her feelings. I need to name her feelings. I need to be there with her, um, be present with her. Sometimes if she's having a temper tantrum, instead of just disciplining behavior, actually leaning in a bit and saying, you know what, right now, maybe she just needs a hug. I'm going to sit with her for a bit. And quite often, um, what I find, I just go down on the behavior. Um, I could be in a fight for, let's say, 10 minutes. But I've noticed that when I actually kind of lean in and I kind of put my arm around her and almost haven her, um, I find that things shift really quickly, sometimes within a minute, and we're able to actually have a conversation. So I've been challenged in this way to, you know, she's, she's processing things in her own way. She's feeling things in her own way. And so I need to just sort of pay attention um, to her in this way, because this is the only way she can express right now. Um, for my older daughter, Haley, she's a little bit more, um, she's she older, so she's processing a little bit more. So I've tended just to check in with her um, regularly. So, um, and specifically, so for example, like they don't really understand the vastness of this necessarily completely. They can't really internalize how big it is. And it's probably good because if they did, it might be really anxiety inducing for some of them, right? So maybe it's good. They're not able to really internalize it all. Um, but the things that they do internalize are the fact that, oh, now I'm doing homework from home and now there's this expectation. Now there's this change. And so I end up checking in specifically about those things. So how are you feeling about school today? And just that. And so today when we actually had that conversation, it was, I feeling sometimes overwhelmed. And so we could actually talk about, okay, so sometimes you're feeling overwhelmed. That's kind of a difficult feeling, isn't it? Yeah, and kind of sit with that for a little bit. So that's just one example. But again, it could be, how are you feeling with all your brothers and sisters around you right now? Or how are you feeling today with, um, you know, mommy and daddy having to work, you know, all day and not being able to see us, you know, all these different types of things, right? So being specific about how you check in because it's really their environment that's shifting um, specifically, not necessarily this idea out here that they're able to process. So that would just be my um, little simple thing, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I think that's good because I think what I like about that is you're being specific, right? It's just not how are you feeling, but you're trying to be specific about a certain a certain thing, which I think is is great. And then the follow-up to that I think is important because oftentimes we'll trivialize what they respond and how they're, they're feeling. And so not to trivialize it, not to downplay it, but to understand that these feelings are just as important to them as ours are to us, right? So, yeah. And maybe if you're not as savvy at emotions like I am, um, Scholastic Canada put out a resource. If you just go to Scholastic, it's a free, um, it's called First Aid for Emotions for Kids, and it's for COVID. Um, so our kids and me have been working through it together. <laughs> just one question a day. That's all we're doing, just one. And we tied it in with our morning devotions. Um, again, just giving the kids permissions to have feelings. Um, God made them. It's all good. Um, and I am actually being quite shocked and surprised at what they are processing. Again, I have um, some middle schoolers who are desperately missing their friends and have no, trying to figure out where they belong now, right? So um, I just, I have really been thankful for sometimes people hand-holding and producing resources to help us through. <laughs> um, for us, we have little kids, so Penny's four and Ken is six, and so for us, we've been creating fun for them. Um, it's amazing what happens when mom and dad are both 
involved in something really fun. Um, whether it's getting messy at the kitchen table, which I usually struggle through, um, or trying something new, trying a science experiment, or um, just, I don't know, I was like, who wants to try paper mache? And they just looked at me like, what? Um, we, you know, we've ordered a bunch of craft supplies and we just, and, and while we're sitting there with them, um, because they're not old enough to just sit there and have a, a conversation and probably don't realize what they're feeling anyways, um, things start to come out, right? Like Kenna talks about missing her friends or missing being uh, at riding lessons or Penny misses swimming, right? And so we can kind of talk to them. And then it's amazing when I ask them what would make it better, right? So what can I do right now that would make this better? And Penny will say like a starburst <laughs> or something really silly. And um, we can kind of just work through it together. I don't want to burden them with what's going on in the world. And so they're too little. So we just try to create fun. So maybe they won't feel like they missed out when they when this is all over that they can say, you know what, I like I'm going to remember this as the time mom and dad sat with us and like we had a great time. No, that's, uh, that's so amazing, right? Like, it's almost to, 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 to be the master of the script, right? Like, be, you know, kind of, you know, write, write the plot that you want your kids to remember through all of this, right? And um, those are, those are some, some great thoughts for sure. And um, thank, you for, thank you for sharing them. I'm just wondering too, uh, maybe as a, just a final, uh, final question is, um, just in, in times like this that we're facing, how do we activate our faith? Um, how do we acknowledge that while the world's seem, seemingly going crazy, while things are not routine, um, how, do, how do we still kind of focus our hearts and our minds on Christ and what he's done for us? Um, how can we draw hope uh, from the fact that, hey, he is still in control? Um, how do we activate that in our own life? What are some practices, things that you found helpful that, um, that engages that in, in times like these? That's like a whole other webinar, really, if you think about it, right? But um, anytime you can connect with God in prayer, through worship, um, reading his word, you know, it just, it just centers you, it just grounds you. And I think even with kids, if you, um, if you take that time to pray with them and make sure you're reading them Bible stories and telling them about the things that you're experiencing in your life, I think it's um, all the time, just point it back to God. We have a hope we have a trust we have a place where we can find peace and um during this time during any time it's always one day at a time with jesus that's all you get you get today so we're going to have hope and faith and trust today and tomorrow we'll wake up and we'll start all over again that's awesome because i think i think what this does it sort of exposes the fact that that we think we have everything in control right and when a chaos like this happens we realize that like we actually control very little and, and, and that's okay. Yeah. You're going to, you're going to say something there, Naomi. Uh, yeah, I guess um, I'll be honest. I feel like in this season um, times with God have sort of been my coping strategy is I just find myself needing to go to him so much more. I feel like that need has actually activated part of my faith even more so because I'm realizing how desperately I actually need him. Um, I'm just craving that more than ever I find. Um, 
But in that, as I've been kind of in those spaces, I've been reminded of the fact that God has been around for a long time. And situations like COVID-19 are really tiny in comparison to all these other things that have gone before us. And so I look at the faithfulness of God through generations and generations, and it just reminds me that this is not only something I can look at and remember his faithfulness, but I can also declare his faithfulness for the future and believing that, yes, God is going to be part of this. He's going to show up and he is faithful. And so for me, it's remembering the past so that I can see the future clearly, not through my own lens or my own perspe perspective, but through hopefully the heart and perspective of God and how he sees this. So, yeah. Naomi, I love that so much. Um, and I had a scripture verse that came to my mind uh, just when we were talking about how do we activate faith and it was fan into flame, um, which is first or second Timothy one verse six. So it's fan into flame, the gift of God in you, which is, I think, the gift of faith that is active in you to walk as if you see when you don't see. Um, is a gift of faith that the Holy Spirit gives us. And Andrew Mills just preached on it this week. Um, he talked about receive the Holy Spirit. And he prayed over everyone, I think in the church family and anyone who wants to receive, right? So here we have the Holy Spirit, our helper, who's willing to partner with us in this activity of fanning into flame our faith. And so um, I just would encourage everyone, like, yeah, of all the times, for us as believers to be walking in faith, knowing that God is active and at work. It's now because we can't see the next step. It's impossible. Nobody knows what's coming tomorrow or the next day, but we do because we have the Holy Spirit with us. So anyways, I just would encourage you all. Yeah. 2 Timothy 1.6 and let's receive the spirit and giver. That's amazing. Um, yeah, and so and so true, right? And so true. Um, yeah, that we can we can activate that. You know, it's like a deep well within us that uh, you know, as we're connected to, the, to Jesus and connected to His Holy Spirit, He gives us that life and He gives us those reminders. Uh, and and that's so cool. Um, before we go, uh, there are some community resources. Again, like we said off the top. Um, it, it's easy to feel anxious at this time. It's not always easy to talk about it, uh, but there are community resources and we have some awesome resources in-house at Bethany. Uh, Laura, why don't you tell, tell us about, about those? So um, this is my shameless plug for my programs as the um, support and recovery ministry leader. <laughs> uh, so we actually have our Celebrate Recovery virtual groups running on Friday nights. So if you're not familiar with CR, that's okay. Um, you can contact me and I can get you connected as a newcomer and then you'll be welcomed into our group. Um, it's for anybody who has hurts, habits or hangups, but also people who are just struggling. We talked about at the beginning of this of having a safe place to kind of share your emotion. And this is a really good safe place of other peers who are um, kind of in this boat together, walking as Christians, um, struggling through what's happening, what's in our world, the uncertainty, the nerves, uh, as well as that our landing has just, um, they're just trying to get themselves situated as well. And I believe um, Wednesday, oh, that's today. Um, today, they're going to try to do their first 
um, kind of peer-to-peer support gender specific. So again, you can contact me if you are a student between the ages of or grades uh, 7 to 12 and um, we can get you connected with a landing leader. So again, youth that are just uncertain about what's happening, if you have hurts or habits or hangups in your life. Uh, and then out in the community, there are still things happening. Um, if you wanna get connected with any community resource or know what's out there, 211 is going to be your um, safe bet. You can phone 211 on any phone, get connected with an in-communities representative and you can kind of say, hey, I have this problem. I don't have you know, enough food or um, I have a 16 year old who's struggling through this and they can give you lists of agencies that um, are still operating and what their hours and their phone numbers are. So I always encourage anybody to connect with 211 because it's just like a full stop of anything. Um, the, the Distress Center um, still has their 24-hour line happening. Um, you can Google the Distress Center. It has all of the different, depending on where you are in the region, there's a different phone number. And then, obviously, if you know somebody who's in direct crisis, you'd be phoning 911. Um, there's mental health paramedics. There is the rapid response team, which is a mental health worker with our police. So don't hesitate to call just because of this COVID-19. Um, mental health is just as important. And then reach out. Um, you know, we're hearing that you should be reaching out to at least one person every single day. So make sure that you're doing that. Pick up the phone, do a Zoom chat, take a walk and chat with a neighbor, social distancing, but make sure that you are seeing other live humans. No, that's great. I, I read something this morning. I talked about uh, we should change the language to from social distancing to physical distancing, right? The idea that like we don't have to social distance, like we can stay connected through this. It's just the physical distancing that that's uh, that should be uh, keyed in on. So no, that's awesome. Uh, Laura, thank you everyone for for joining us today. Um, such great, uh, such great discussion, helpful, helpful advice and wisdom. And uh, just want to let everyone know that uh, if you're struggling, if you're going through uh, these extreme emotions, you don't have to go through them alone, that there are people that you can connect with and find support. And I love that we have a staff person at Bethany with support in her job description. And so, uh, Laura, uh, thank you for being available to people and providing great places for people to connect and find support and care they need. Uh, as well, if you're in a home church, take your uh you know take your emotions take what you're feeling to your home church people there care for you and want to be there uh and and just help you through this and journey with you so uh and again if you're not in a home church a great place to to be and so you can connect with jamie on that as well um and know this that that god loves you that he is in control that he he knows tomorrow and he's not intimidated by it and so you can activate your faith uh, if you can't activate the faith that's in you, connect with someone and activate their faith um, and allow someone to take you to Jesus. And because uh, it's really it's at the feet of Jesus where we can find uh, the hope, the life uh, that we need to get through these times. So, uh, again, thank you for joining us. Uh, we'll see you uh, next episode. Again, if you want to um, check out past episodes, you can go to bethanycc.ca uh, and you can follow us to our children and youth page and you can find all our episodes there. So uh, thank you again and bye-bye for now. Ooh.